Public reporting on the quality and cost of health care offered by various providers has become increasingly common, but by and large, patients aren't using that information to choose physicians or hospitals. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Robert Huckman, a professor of business administration at the Harvard Business School. Professor Huckman has co-authored a perspective article on public reporting and consumerism in healthcare. Professor Huckman, you argue that the public reporting of healthcare outcomes that we're now seeing isn't actually focused on the right kind of information for patients. What kinds of information are available now? Well, for the most part, the information that's available really relates to the quality and costs of specific procedures. And there's a wealth of it. You could see it for coronary artery bypass graft surgery in New York State, in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Massachusetts. You can see it for knee replacements in many states. You can see comparative cost information for providers of ancillary services, radiology, and other diagnostics in many states as well. But the nature of the information that you do have is really about comparison amongst providers of specific procedures. One of the areas that we've looked at is whether there might be the opportunity to begin to provide other forms of information that would perhaps be about the medical decision-making process and would occur earlier in the care cycle, if you will, for an individual patient. So exactly what kinds of data are you talking about that you think should be reported? And is it going to be easy to capture that kind of data for individual patient decisions? So the type of information, I think, is going to require us to be a little bit more comfortable with some wide sets of issues that we need to consider when thinking about what information do patients want or need in making their medical decisions. The types of information that I think we could provide more of would be things about the experience of the patient as they go through care. What level of pain might they expect? What type of functioning would they expect? How soon after treatment would they expect to achieve that functioning? What would be time away from work? What would be the implications for one's family in terms of either the time or cost associated with getting treatment? These are complex variables, and that's part of the reason why they're not frequently reported today. Today, we report much simpler metrics that are much easier to observe, things that are very dramatic, such as mortality or complication. But I think we need to also get our heads around the fact that as mortality rates, say, for coronary artery bypass seizures begin to dip below 1% in the population as a whole, distinguishing between a provider who's at 1.2% mortality versus one who's at 0.9% mortality may not be the most meaningful criteria on which patients are making decisions. And it may come back to some of these what we would call patient preference items, or really more importantly, patient experience items, such as what's it going to be like to go through the care process? How intrusive will it be? And this will require us to challenge the ways we capture data about patient care. So in fact, how can we collect and disseminate the kind of information you're talking about? How do we get from where we are now to where you want us to be? Well, I think the idea, the analogy I would provide is we currently have uniform patient discharge abstracts for patients who get inpatient treatment in hospitals in in nearly every state. And this is what's used to drive billing and other forms of administrative activity. And could we move towards a more uniform way to collect patient experience data, asking questions about pain levels and functioning and other things of that nature? We do have these forms, the SF36 and other forms that are available but we're not necessarily applying them as uniformly as we are for some of these other administrative and billing sources of data that have driven a lot of the current reporting efforts thus far. Has the goal of public reporting 
been to create competition, ultimately improve care and the value of care? Or is it, as you suggest in your article, to also reduce the overall use of services? The answer you're not going to want to have me tell you is that I think it's both, (laughs) or all three, depending on how many were in that question. But the goal is most certainly not to simply reduce the utilization of services. I would say it's to think more rationally about how we use services. And to that end, if we do that, I think we can potentially improve value and lower cost. And in some cases, we may reduce certain types of utilization, but in other cases, we may increase utilization. The example I often think about is that of treatment of low back pain. There are numerous surgical approaches that one can take. There are also numerous non-surgical approaches, which could range from pain injections all the way back to exercise, physical therapy, and the use of over-the-counter pain relievers. And I think that for the key that we need here is to figure out for which types of patients might value dictate pursuing one option versus another. For a patient who must have immediate relief from pain and is willing to undergo perhaps some of the risks associated with any surgical procedure, infection, etc., then surgery may be the right answer, particularly if the pain is localized and easily identifiable. However, for patients who at any cost would like to avoid surgery and wouldn't mind their pain to just simply be decreased, not entirely eliminated, then they might take one of these other approaches and for them value would be improved by having avoided surgery and slightly reduce their pain as opposed to perhaps undergone surgery and more dramatically reduced pain as in the, the case of the first patient. So back pain, what other kinds of treatment decisions do you think are amenable to this kind of consumerist approach? Well, I, I think increasingly we'll find a lot of issues around types of diagnostic testing that people would be interested in undergoing or not undergoing, certainly with the use of of full body CT scanning and other things, we can identify a lot of information about patients. Some patients may find it very important to know the answers to some of these questions or to at least have the information that is an answer to a question we, yet, we don't necessarily yet know exactly how to ask. And other patients, that may be the last thing they want, is having that sort of uncertainty revealed to them in perhaps an imperfect way that may cause anxiety and may cause concern and other things. And so that's another case of, I think, a fairly dramatic patient preference item. But I think we may also see this, too, in how patients might approach primary care, how they think about their annual physical, the types of treatment they might prefer from their primary care physician, for example, something that's more aggressive on the diagnostic side or something that's less so. You mentioned in your article retail care models like those at Walmart and CVS as being change agents that are moving us toward healthcare consumerism. Those retail clinics put cost pressure on other healthcare providers, but is that actually value pressure? So I think as long as those retail clinics are focused on an area where they really are well-suited to perform efficiently, I think you can see both a cost and value benefit from their use. Certainly when you talk about the idea of a strep throat culture, an immunization, how different is the quality of that delivered at a retail clinic versus at a downtown academic medical center where your primary care physician happens to have his or her office? And the answer there, I think, is pretty hard to suggest that the test provided in the retail environment would be inferior, necessarily, in terms of quality. It seems like it could be higher in terms of convenience and potentially lower in terms of cost. It seems like that's the suggestion that certainly the retail clinics would want us to believe. But I think that as we begin to apply that model to broader and perhaps less routinized forms of care. So for example, chronic disease management. There you can begin to, I think, have a discussion about 
is there some value loss potentially in going to a retail clinic that may not be captured in the same way as if we were to go to our traditional primary care route? I think we can have a very stringent and active debate about that question. I don't know the answer to it myself, but I think that's certainly an area where we can begin to have this discussion of, are we just pursuing something in terms of cost without necessarily yet having a clear sense of whether that improves value? And I think that's the place where we need to, I think, engage in a policy debate about these clinics. If consumerism will build value, what kind of cultural shift do you think is necessary to make U.S. patients active consumers in the healthcare market? I think we need to create a sense among our patients that they are responsible, in large part, for the decisions made about their health care. Now, that may sound a little odd because we thought that's what the role of the physician was. The role of the physician, however, is to be our agent in these decisions. And I think increasingly what we need is to create that feeling that the physician is a trusted professional who helps guide us through our decision-making process, as opposed to we put ourselves in the hands of this physician and they drive the process for us, which I think is the current view for many patients today. So this is a question about, do we talk about making consumers responsible for their health care? And very often the way we've talked about it in the past is making them financially responsible, putting them on the hook for higher deductibles, for larger co-pays. I think what we need to do is create a mind shift that makes them responsible in terms of what they feel is their more intrinsic responsibility for making decisions about their care. And that comes to seeking out the appropriate information, asking their provider the tough questions about, is the approach you're recommending the only option you considered? Or were there two or three others? And I'd love to hear more about your decision-making process for ruling those other ones out. That's the kind of question I think we need patients to start asking. And finally, how is this then going to affect physicians? Well, I think at first blush, one may look at this and say, well, if consumers become more empowered, then doesn't that make the physicians less so? I think it's quite the contrary. A lot of physicians I've spoken to have said, we are looking for as many opportunities as possible to figure out a way to improve the match of what we do with the patients we see. Very often, physicians will say, I see 60 patients in a day in my office, 30 of whom I can really help, 20 of whom I might be able to help, 10 of whom probably, you know, should have gone elsewhere to begin with. And so to the extent that providing patients with more information about their own health might help them begin to weed out and think about where they should be pursuing care, as well as being more educated once they get into the physician's office and can ask the right questions. What are the options? Why did we rule out option A so quickly? I think that's going to make them better patients. And as a result, it's going to make the experience of the physician, I think, more fruitful and more pleasant professionally. Thank you, Professor Huckerman.